0: Hey, I just wanna wish you again a Merry Christmas and thanks so much for joining us uh, for this weekend service. Uh, I just wanna tell you a little bit about what we typically do around here at Central. You'll notice that most of the time we preach what's called expositional sermons. That's a big $5 word, but here's what that means. An expositional sermon really looks at a particular biblical text and the main point of that text becomes the main point of the sermon. See, see, there's an original intent of the author in every passage of the Bible. It had an intended meaning, and that meaning fell on ears in its original context. And so the task is to understand those things and then to preach well, the goal is then to, in our setting, apply the point of the text to our context. And so, for example, this fall, we've been working through the book of Acts and just taking a few verses at a time, we aim to preach expositionally from it, understanding what it meant then and there and then applying it. Sometimes you'll hear, uh, I think, preachers attempting to do an expositional sermon, but it's more what I would call an exegetical sermon. And you can tell it's simply an exegetical sermon if exegeting a text is really understanding Uh, what's going on in the text, which is good and important, but it's usually a first step is you want to understand what a word means and you want to understand what a phrase and what a verse means. And therefore, you kind of work your way through verse, 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 done, let's pray. And and it hasn't really come home. You sometimes feel like there's a distance that hasn't been connected there. Our goal, the regular diet of our preaching at Central is expositional preaching. I say all that because today I'm not going to do that. I'm going to preach a topical sermon. And you know what, if it was good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for me. <laughs> uh, you know, occasionally Jesus, like at the Sermon on the Mount, or he would take a verse and then he'd kind of look at, through it. And so we're just going to dwell kind of topically at 75 years of grace that God has shown to Central. So I'm going to do something a little different with my time here with you, but I pray and hope that it will be a blessing. 2020 uh, was quite the year. Here's something that maybe you didn't know about it. 2020 marked Central's 75th anniversary. And and like a life lived for 75 years um, that has its highs and lows, its joys and its pains, the same is true of a church. And yet, looking back overarchingly and overwhelmingly, what we see is 75 years of God's grace toward us. In our staff meetings at, at our church, we, uh, we often do something that we refer to as sharing evidences of God's grace. And what that means is that we, we kind of want to fix our eyes on, on what God's doing. It's easy to kind of get stuck in the weeds. And so we'll, we'll, from time to time, share evidences of God's grace and just tell stories. Here's what that means. We'll just tell stories of what we observe God doing in each other or in the ministry of the church. We tell each other a story of, of, of God's grace, of any good thing happening in and through the church. We want to give glory to God for that. It's an evidence of his grace toward us that he is is at work and we share those regularly. So my goal with our time today is that I simply want to share some evidences of God's grace that I observe in you as a church. I was was gonna do 75 evidences of grace for you, but um, I whittled it down to seven, mainly for time's sake. Uh, And so I'm gonna share seven evidences of God's grace that I see at Central. With our time. Here's the first one. I praise God for your warmth and hospitality. In 1 Timothy chapter 3, it lists um, a number of qualifications for an elder in a church. And one of those qualifications is that he needs to be hospitable. In Acts chapter 2, the the first church, what we observe about it is that they, they they were a church opening their homes and being in each other's lives exhibiting warmth and hospitality. A church is meant to be warm and hospitable. And from day one, I have observed that in you, Central. Before I came on Central staff, my wife and I, I think August of 2010, I think it was, we just attended a service and that very first time we just experienced the warmth and hospitality of this church and noted that there was something really special about it. I hear constantly from people, whether it's in a baptism ministry partnership class or just connecting with people from Central, and I hear the phrase often, this church feels like family. I mean, we need to give God praise for that. I really hope that that's been your experience, and I praise God for the fact that you are warm and hospitable. Secondly, I praise God for your love of God's Word. It's a preacher's dream. You love God's word. A, a few months ago, now I, I was having a conversation with a guy, and at one point he he looked at me and he said, "You don't preach as hard as you used to." And he said it in in uh, in a way that was like, "That's a bad thing. You don't preach as hard as you used to." And a lot of thoughts ran through my mind at that point. I'm like, "Well, I, you know, I think I'm maturing. I'm maturing." a little bit and, 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 and maybe uh, uh, you know, not so sharp as I used to be. I don't know, like I still, I trust in God's word fully. I think that all I've got as a preacher is, is what's written in the pages of scripture. I think the only good news I have to share is the good news of Jesus Christ. I'm still convicted of those things. Um, but it, it made me smile and I, I like it because he said it in an accusatory way, like I want you to be preaching hard. And as I reflect on that, I'm like, yeah, you know what? That's exactly what I've experienced here at Central. You know, I've, I've preached a lot of difficult sermons here. I, I, I've preached a lot of difficult texts. I, I think some of the most difficult passages in Scripture I've preached on over the years. So those most pressing sermons, those most convicting sermons, those most uncomfortable sermons, here's... Time and time again, what I've observed. The most difficult sermons are the times, Central, when I get the most feedback from people saying, I needed to hear that, or thank you for preaching the word. What a gift from God, what an evidence of grace. I praise God for the fact that you love his word. Third, I praise God for your generosity. Um, I'm entering my seventh year as the lead pastor here at Central. And and over those years, we've seen some phenomenal things take place that, that blow my mind. One of them is that we've doubled in attendance in the last seven years. But here's another striking thing. We've more than doubled in our giving as a church in the last seven years. Now, to me, that's incredible and amazing. You might think at first glance, okay, we've doubled in size and we've a little bit more than doubled in giving. What's, what's the big deal? That kind of makes sense. Well, to me, it doesn't. Statistically speaking, newer folks to a church rarely start giving uh, quickly at all. Usually it's even stated statistically that it's a couple years before they really start regularly giving. But, but that doesn't seem to be the case here. So two things can be observed from that. One is that those who have been a part of the church family for more than the six, seven years that we've observed this, um, is, that, is that this call to generosity, um, you've risen to it. Not only that, it also shows us that those who have been coming in the last few years have been engaging quickly, not only in ministry around the church, but in giving and being generous. Let me give you a different kind of example of your generosity, though. During the pandemic, early on in the pandemic, we started something called Help in Time of Need. It's an initiative where we wanted to offer help to those um, who needed practical and spiritual support during the pandemic uh, for those in our church family and in our broader community in the Eastern Fraser Valley. And we have over 90 individuals who help in the Help in Time of Need. They're, They're people who are willing to respond and meet the needs. And we we break those up regionally. So if there's a need in Sardis, a certain number of those people in that area receive that. Or if it's in Agassiz, a certain number of the help and time of need folks uh, hear about that opportunity. And consistently what happens is is we we put out uh, a message where someone wants help for something. And the regular occurrence is that multiple people within like 10 minutes of the email request for help goes out are responding and saying, I'll do it, I'll do it. And, and so your generosity certainly is a financial generosity that we praise God for and see in you, but, but of time and of talent and of compassion as well, just an exceedingly generous church. Tied into that is, is, is this, I praise God for the way you serve. Now, this, this year has been different, but when we were still meeting at full capacity, we had over a 100 Children's ministry volunteers, over 40 youth leaders, 14 worship leaders, 30 musicians and over 30 techs, serving regularly on Sundays, hospitality teams, truly being hospitable and warm. We have a facilities team of of folks using their gifts to keep our buildings up to speed and all of that kind of stuff. It's amazing. We have breakfast programs at multiple schools, backpack programs, all sorts of things going on. And not only that, outside of the, the church buildings themselves, there are all of you who serve Jesus throughout the valley in a myriad of ways, making Jesus known. I praise God for the way you serve. I also praise God for your laughter and your joy. Right, just a few weeks ago, we had a, a comedy night and uh, we fed Matt Falk, the comedian, some, uh, some ways that they could roast some of the staff and, uh, and we love that. Like we just have a blast with that. We're, we're a church that, that love to laugh and have fun. Roast each other. You probably observe in services often we make little jabs. pastors make little jabs at each other. We do that because we love each other and we we, we have a lot of fun together, you know, around here our, our goal is that we would take God and his word very seriously. We would take our faith seriously, but we wouldn't take ourselves very seriously love to have fun, love to have laughter, right? It's really this, this sense that, that I experience around Central is that it rarely feels like a funeral around here. It often feels like resurrection around here. A lot of joy, a lot of laughter, and I think that's infectious and I praise God for that. Also, I praise God for the fact that you not only believe the gospel, but that you embody the gospel. Here's what I mean. I'm, I'm not sure if how, how many of you know my story, but I was an associate pastor here at the church when, when my life really unraveled. Um, sin in my life, deceit in my life, uh, harmed my marriage, and uh, the church, the leadership in the church, uh, by God's grace, um, off, served our family so well, um, there was such a kindness to the church in that season toward us that we were really floored by. Um, at that point in time, I was given a three-month healing leave and uh, an opportunity to, to step out and to, to heal and to grow. And um, yeah, still praise God for that. Two months into it, though, I realized that I was only scratching the surface <laughs> in my issues. And... Um, and a need for more time before ever getting back into church ministry, pastoral ministry, if ever. And so I took that that next year, um, just to kind of work on things in my life and heal and repent and grow and create new patterns in my life. Um, And then at that point in time, uh, Ron Van Acker, who was the lead pastor of our church, Uh, resigned and stepped out. And I was approached um, to see if I would come back and be the interim teaching pastor. And over the course of conversations with leaders and my wife, decided to do that. Shortly after that, uh, I was asked to consider whether or not I'd let my name stand as a potential lead pastor for our church. And, Here's what I mean, um, we, we preach the gospel at Central. Uh, what, I, what I've experienced, what my family has experienced at Central is we've experienced th- that, that gospel that we proclaim embodied in its leaders and in its people. Like we've experienced that. I, I've said regularly, I, don't, I, I, I think I could, I could pastor here till the day I die and at that point still be like, I'm indebted to this church. Now I get the gospel and I get grace and that th- th- there is no debt, but, but that deep down, I feel this like, it, this church has been so good to me. It, it loved me, it, it, it exhibited, it exemplified, it embodied the gospel in a hard season in my life. We proclaim Jesus, we, we preach Jesus, we, we have a value that we're centered on the gospel. I experienced that lived out towards myself And I absolutely love and appreciate that about our church. You embody the gospel, praise God. Finally, I praise God for your commitment to the mission. Little central history lesson here. In 1944, 15 families settled on farms east of Chilliwack and formed a church and started meeting in a hall and eventually outgrew that hall. Then one man gave an acre of his farmland Others gave their labor and all gave what they could and our first building was completed and we organized as a Mennonite Brethren Church on January 6th, 1945. Now catch this. Before the end of 1947, a mission was established in Laidlaw, a Sunday school mission, a Bible school was formed, and a new church was started in town with 60 families. And you know what? In recent years, we've been getting back to those early roots, right? Planting campuses and going about the mission. And one of the things I praise God for is your commitment to the mission, even if it's costly, even if it's risky, Right? Mission costs to go go and plant campuses, plant churches in communities that have no other churches, for example, that need a a lighthouse, a beacon, a gospel-proclaiming, community-engaging church there. That costs. It costs in a myriad of ways. It costs financially. And and so it was truly costly. And you leaned in. It It was costly because it requires people to go and people to send, and then holes and gaps where where those that have gone uh, need to be filled. And so, just super costly to go about the mission. But I praise God for the fact that you're committed to the mission, even when it's costly, even when it's risky. You know, our elders wanted to ensure that this wasn't just the idea of a few leaders, but was really the heartbeat of our church. See, a few people can't go about the mission it, it takes a whole church to do so, and so we had congregational meetings at multiple points when we were discerning whether or not we should plant these campuses, particular campuses. And in each occasion, there was just this overwhelming affirmation, saying, "Yeah, like we need to go. Like, w- what else should we do? Like, isn't this what we're? Isn't this what it's all about? Just this sense of like, yeah, we want to go about the mission, and we feel called to this." costly, risky endeavor. Did you know right now, well, on weeks when we can actually meet in person, we have families, multiple families in Chilliwack that get in their vehicles and they drive 45 minutes to Lake Iraq and are a part of a core team there. And why do they do that? Well, a couple reasons. One is there's no other church in town and they think that Lake Iraq should have a church and they're willing to be a part of that. And, and they want it to be healthy and, and they know that it requires service. And so they drive and these families serve there to bless and to establish a healthy church there. In other words, what they're doing is they're saying, I'm not simply going to attend church occasionally, even regularly. I'm going to leverage my church attendance for the mission. We, we had 80 individuals when we planted Promontory, Promontory Campus go, 50 adults, 30 children, and it is such a healthy, vibrant campus. We, at every stage, we've seen God do that. It's been costly, and it's been risky, and you do that. Listen, what's astounding is that many churches don't make it to 75, In fact, it's estimated that 9,000 churches in Canada will close in the next five years. 85% of churches in Canada have either plateaued or are in decline, meaning only 15% of churches in Canada are growing, and only 3% of churches in Canada are multiplying, Now, I I actually, I'm not exactly sure why, to be honest. But God, in his grace, has seen fit to grow and multiply central. Here's the thing. What I would consider the greatest doxology in Scripture, Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 to 21... Doxology is a short hymn of praise. I consider Ephesians chapter three, verses 20 to 21, the greatest doxology in the Bible. And I think that it's, it's really helpful and can be really formative for us and how we should reflect on the past 75 years and what sort of posture that should give us going into the future. Listen, it says this, now to him, Jesus, who is able to do far more abundantly, and all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Looking back at 75 years, the power and the grace, it's all been Jesus. So here's the thing, all glory should go to Jesus too. To him be glory in the church. To him be glory It's been his power, it's been his grace. Let's give him the glory. And as we look back at 75 years, the the overwhelming sense we have is that yes, we have experienced his kindness and his grace. And that should give us a certain confidence. Look at what the Lord has done. As we fix our gaze on the future and what's next, we need to lean into these promises where the Apostle Paul says, to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we could ask or think, more than we could imagine, to him be glory. And so when our hearts are, 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 are so just desiring to be about his mission, to be about what Jesus is doing through the church and what we long to see here, listen, this is my encouragement. God has been so good to us and we have much to celebrate. And we need to give him glory. Glory. He has also given us an audacious God-sized vision to see our little region of the nation transformed by the gospel. And here's what we know. That will take nothing short of a movement of prayer and sending and going and giving and evangelizing and proclaiming and gathering and loving and calling out gifts and utilizing every gift among us so that God will be glorified and our region will be reached with the life-transforming power of the gospel. God has been so good to us. Let's look to him to do far more abundantly than we could ask or imagine in the future. As long as he gives us days, let's give him glory and let's go proclaiming the gospel. Let me pray for us. Oh, Jesus, we thank you for your grace to us over 75 years. And in 2020, Lord, it's this reminder, uh, we, we need you. We never get past needing you. We never move on from needing you. So we praise you for your faithfulness in the past. We thank you for your present help. And, and this doxology reminds us that, Lord, you uh, are able to do mighty things in the future. And that's our desire, Lord. Use us. You, you deserve all glory. We thank you for your grace. Help us, Lord as we strive to continue to go about your mission. Thank you, amen.